the uh, fourth message um, out of the text of Ephesians 5, uh, verses 22 through 33. And we'll be looking at that this morning. And thus far, uh, Scott has brought us to the foundation of marriage, the purpose of marriage, that being the reflection of the relationship of Christ to the church, that a marriage reflects Jesus and a relationship. He he has taken us through the sacrifice of marriage, and last week we looked at the uh, friendship in marriage, rooted in love. This morning, we're going to be looking at three terms out of the same text, out of the word submission, love, and respect. Submission, love, and respect. Now, the first word, submission, probably already is pushing buttons (laughs) among some of you. Because it has been one of those terms that have been uh, um, abused and misused within the Christian community and in male chauvinism um, to our detriment, to a poor witness to the church and to Christ. And it ought not to be that way. And so it is, however, and we must combat that as, as men and women within the church and this call to women to submit to their husbands, misperceived and misunderstood. We're not going to hang out there too much um, because I want to keep your attention rather than get you angry. (laughs) Um, But uh, nevertheless, you know, no matter how abused, how abused Christians, uh, how often Christians abuse and misuse a truth out of scriptures, never, ever nullify the truth in scriptures. Amen? The poorest of witnesses of Christianity by Christians never nullify the faith of Christianity, the truth of Christ and the truth of God in scriptures. It just doesn't happen. Um, So today, though we may struggle and have some baggage surrounding the three terms of submission, love, and respect within marriage as it comes out of Ephesians 5, we still have to struggle with it and, and... wrestle with it to see how it's applicable in our own lives and own relationships. As as Scott has done consistently every Sunday, I join with him in the disclaimer. Um, I have have no expertise out of 35 years of marriage to be able to enlighten you all to something that's outside of don't do it my way. (laughs) That doesn't work. Um, but uh, let's listen to the scriptures and just see what the scriptures uh, speak to us. And maybe those who have received some great insight um, from years of focusing on a marriage relationship. I mean, some, I, w- I had a wedding I did up Taylor Canyon years ago. And I met with the, hus- the potential husband and wife and, and the bride-to-be kind of took me off to the side and goes, you know, Jim, what I make sure what you don't do in the ceremonies talk about submission. I mean, she just eyeball to eyeball, don't do this, Jim, because I will not s- submit and obey my husband. Flat out. Now, as I further communicated with her, I got why she was saying that, and it wasn't as horrible as it kind of sounded at front, and she didn't have quite the resistance. Um, but she had the background 
of the abuse of that. And so um, we, we want to definitely keep everything in context. So this morning, I'm going to read through Ephesians 5 again, beginning in verse 22. And then we're going to look kind of at these three words, their definition, kind of a bigger context by which they're found in, and then look in the immediate context and see um, what we can glean here. Father, your word that we speak aloud, beginning in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body, and for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. This is the reflection. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect, must respect her husband. Just a, a briefing on the, the three terms here of submission that you saw there. It's mentioned it a couple times. Love, and at the end, in the last verse, of respect. Uh, basically, the submission is a term in Christianity that's used to, to come under. Um, often in relationship to authority or to come under in terms of the role or position of, in an order of relationship. Um, it could refer to the acceptance of one's place in a de- defined order of function and roles that are under authority. In Christianity, it is defined by God and not by man. That's an important concept. What we're talking about today is what God defines, not what man has taken from God and redefined. Love, we know what that's all about, but here in the immediate uh, context, it's the word agape, and we know, we've all heard messages about the pastors and preachers dissecting the Greek, and that there's four different words for love in the Greek text, um, of uh, Eros love referring to sexuality um, what uh, Scott preached last week on brotherly love uh, the friendship between two people um, story um, the family love that happens between husband and wife and parents to children children to parents to family and then there's this word uh, agape and we all have heard the, the messages that agape is God's love the way God is able to love humanity unconditional, an unconditional expression of who he is to us. And if you were to look up uh, the definition, you would include a lot of these terms. So listen closely. Agape love, as it's used here, uh, is to esteem, is to cherish, 
to favor, to honor, to respect. It's to accept, to prize someone, to be devoted to someone. It's further clarified in 1 Corinthians 13, that we're all familiar with. Hmm. This agape love is patient. We know it's kind. It's without envy or pride, not rude or self-seeking, not easily angered and doesn't keep record of wrongdoing. Get this, it always, it always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Get this, this kind of love, agape love, never fails. Can you get your head wrapped around that word? Not experientially, maybe intellectually, but not experientially. So it makes sense to me that though men may try to aspire to this type of love on their own, I think it's impossible to reach it, and therefore it must and can only be, as defined from the Christian perspective, divine. Is it not? Agape love is divine. It comes from God, and it's in his personhood, for God is love. It says in 1 John four sixteen, God is love. Respect to acknowledge another person with reverence, honor to both who they are and, and perhaps to what they do. It's to recognize another person's merit, significance. It's showing positive regard to another person, respect them. To respect them. So here's three terms that Paul brings to the immediate forefront in the context of marriage here of saying this is, these are some qualities of the marriage relationship that should that are mandated, that are given to us. Submit, wives submit and respect, husbands love. Now, to also look at these terms, we want to step back and get a greater context before we go into its application here in Ephesians. Three things that we want to recognize with the, with the use of these words. Submit is not <coughs> um, focused simply here in the text. It has a greater application and um, brought to us through other passages throughout the scripture. Back in verse 521, what's it say? 521, be imitators of, whoop, 521, I'm sorry, not one. We'll get, we'll come back to that. What's it say? You read it out loud. Submit. Now that's preceding 22 on. So, we must understand there's a universal concept of mutual submission going on. We also must understand that there's a universal application of agape love. Um, and we saw that in chapter 5, verse 1, that we are to love one another. Over in 1 John 4, three different places, talks about loving one another as Christ has loved us, as God has loved us. So there's this open uh, parameters of, of God's love and submission, and then likewise in respect. Respect has a little bit more confinement to it in terms of uh, roles and functions. And you'll see it in Romans chapter 13 where Paul talks about the government and our need to submit to them. 
Um, however, at the end of that uh, uh, passage in, in 13, he says this. Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So we've got to get out of our mindset that this is, these three words are specific for the marriage context. It is not. It's, it's kind of universal. Now, back to the immediate text. And here's where the focus, particularly on love and respect, have you noticed that in the text, Paul does not go to a universal concept and say, husbands and wives submit, love, and respect one another. I, I thought about that. I go, Paul, why, why are you being kind of gender specific related to some of these qualities? Where he says, wives submit and respect as he's speaking to them specifically and not to the man, and then turns around and speaks specifically to the husband. Husbands, love your wives. Why doesn't he add submit and respect? Since they're universal terms. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, anybody's heard of a man named Emerson um, Egrich. He wrote a book called Love and Respect. Anybody read the book here? Phew, good. You guys won't, the rest of you don't know I'm talking about him. <laughs> but he wrote a book, and he was an ex-pastor who developed a national ministry out of these passages, verses 22 through 33. He wrote a book, Love and Respect, based on these. And his studies on marriage, he got so convicted about the concept of love and respect and how it's played out in relationship with the marriage context that, that he decided to go on a speaking tour and write books about it and, and just dive into this whole concept of why Paul is separating out husbands love, wives submit and respect. He cites some interesting studies out of the uh, University of Washington um, as they have done years of study in relationship to marriage. I'm not sure if it's a department of psychology or sociology, but nevertheless, they came up with some interesting um, uh, conclusions about marriage. So, in response to the question, why is Paul being very specific here related to some universal concepts for the marriage relationship. Perhaps Paul either knew by experience, um, example of his own parents, um, was taught it in some educational institution, or divinely inspired that men and women are just really, really, really different. Really? Really different, aren't they? When did you... I'm not gonna, I was going to ask him, when did he become aware of the difference between men and women? <laughs> He's turning a couple of shades of red there. So Emerson, in his studies, and moving to this uh, differences between male and female, husbands and wives, men and women... He uh, um, unfolded some interesting, interesting information. He interviewed over 7,000 people, married people, 7,000. And he asked them this question. 
He asked them this question. When you are in conflict with your spouse, which of these two, feeling unloved or disrespected, is what you most often feel? Before I give you his findings, we're going to do our own survey. Men? No, I'll give women. Women go first. Women? In the terms of conflict and arguments within your relationship, between the two feelings of being unloved or disrespected, how many feel unloved? Neither is a whole different... Well, I didn't ask that question. (laughs) Let's keep it in context. And those are disrespected. How about both? You know, there's where how the terms are universal and can apply. We, we, We can't separate them out, but they're true. His findings... His findings, when they were honest, said 83% of men said that they felt disrespected. While 72% of the women felt unloved. The rest said neither, probably. <laughs> Which is, I think is legitimate. I mean, there's all sorts of responses to it, but we're in context to love and respect here. Hmm. When a man reacts in anger and frustration during conflict, his studies show that it is felt by the woman as unloving. When a woman reacts with heightened negative emotions and questioning the veracity of her husband in conflicts, felt by the man as disrespect. So it makes sense that the argument then being uh, in argumentation begins to be an an escalating. Someone initiates an unloving aspect. The other one reacts and then disrespects and does not submit. That's felt and then is countered. And all of a sudden you have an escalating relationship, doesn't it? And how does that go? How does that work? (laughs) It just goes down and down and down. In relationships and conflict, this issue of love and respect is critical. And the ability to control emotions is critical. In another book written by a collaboration of four different writers called Crucial Conversations, um, did research in having specific ta- or specific hard conversations and how to approach that, and the book gives you tools for doing that. One of their findings was that when um, two people, and we'll use the man and the wife, uh, husband and wife in relationship, began to uh, have discourse and they enter some differences that become problematic, that uh, there's this escalation that happens from an emotional content that, that ha- takes place usually often, and as it rises, as it rises, the cognitive and communication skills of both participants go down. You hear that? You ever hear of men checking out, ladies, when you're getting in a heated conversation, all of a sudden it says uh, uh, 83% of men will eventually come to a place of, of stonewalling or shutting down. And I, it's a habit of mine, you know. I just get to a place where that's it. 
I'm over it. I'm done. Cross my arms, shut my mouth, and I'm just like stonewall. Anybody been there, guys? It's too close to home. Hmm. In fact, they said in these studies, in these crucial conversations, that there's an actual chemistry that takes place in fight-or-flight emotional response that actually shuts down the brain. Have you ever thought about how stupid we sound when we're in those arguments and our emotions are heated and our behaviors are idiotic? The things that come out of our mouth, oh my goodness, we're not thinking. And that's not unique to a husband and wife. Of course not. Hemerson makes the statement, women are naturals at loving. They love to love. While men, on the other hand, prefer to show respect and have it reciprocated. Few men will extend love and affection to their wives while feeling or being disrespected by their wife. And conversely, few women will extend respect and submission to their husbands while feeling or being unrepresented. Unloved. So perhaps Paul knew in, the, in these differences that there is um, a variation of response to these three th- words of submission, love, and respect. And he needed to address men. <clears throat> this is what your wife is looking for. Be more concerned about loving her. Wives, this is what your husbands are felt needs. We're saying felt needs. We all need all of these qualities. These are felt needs. And this is how he'll respond if there's no submission and respect going on. And there'll be a, a resistance and a pushback. These three qualities, submission, love, and respect, becomes the glue that unites a relationship, that takes two people who are very different and allows them to become complementary. Submission, love, and respect. Mutual and unique to the gender. Mutual and unique. Mutual and unique. Hmm. Paul knew what makes for true compatibility in the midst of many differences And that wasn't trying to conform the other person to my image, my wife to my image, but it was rather submission, love, and respect. The text raises the bar. I'm overwhelmed just by the one um, quality of trying to love in the relationship. I'm overwhelmed by that. As it was defined through the Christian perspective. I I can't do that. And women, I know some of you are just like, I can't, my husband is not worthy enough, or spouse, he's just so failed me so many times, he's just not worthy of my respect, and I ain't going to submit to that jerk. We go there, don't we? Husbands don't love, and women sometimes do not submit and respect in the context of scriptures. And we pay for it dearly. And so therefore, this passage humbles me because of what I can't do. And it humiliates me as as I try to exact it and fail. And I'm confronted with my own hypocrisy. 
in my relationship with my wife, who I do love, and supposed to love to this degree, but I just fall short. So it's, we don't want to walk out of here like beat down. The point is, and this is where Scott has been wonderful in bringing us back every week to say, if we can't do it, then how do we go about, is there any hope for us? Of course there's hope in Christ. And this is where Scott continues to take us. It's abiding in Christ. For Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. John said in 1 John 4, he says, we love because he first loved us. See, the quality of love coming from me, as it's defined in scriptures, can't come from Jim. It must come from God as I become a vessel surrendered to him that I might love as he loves. Same way with, with submission and respect. Christ was a submitted God. Can you get that? He humbled himself and submitted to the human institutions. I don't get that. And he respected what God had defined in order. I can't do that unless I receive in Luke 6, 28, it says, Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, overflow, and shaken together. For the measure that you give, so shall you receive. If I don't have it, I can't give it. And But there's nothing that I do have that I haven't received. So I must look to God vertically first to receive that which I don't have to give to my wife, Abby, in and of myself, consistently, continuously. Oh, at some moments, I rise up to the occasion by myself. Check out my motives, though. <laughs> I check out my motives when I do try to rise up to the occasion. But when I have a pure of heart, pure motive, my actions come from the depth of my heart. It's because God is at work there through me to give who and what he is through me. Amen? That's the good news. That's the hope we have. The standard is high. The bar has raised way up there. We can't lower it. Let us never reduce it. Do we strive towards that goal? Or do we strive the person of the goal? Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are uh, humbled um, before such a great call in trying to exact relationships, particularly in the context of marriage. But we see that Differences can be brought together to be unified and made compatible through a submission, love, and respectful relationship. We try hard to get that on our own, and we make some progress only to fall back and seeing that we fail at it too often. And so we cry out today, but not just as husband and wives, but as friends to one another, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as these qualities also should be manifested in our relationships. Lord, we need your help. In order for us to be the reflection of Christ in the church, we desperately need to abide in you and you abide in us. For you to love us first, that your love dwells in us so that our love then might be in you and then reflected out to the world. Bless these people as they go their way today, considering submission, love, and respect, uh, be it in their marriage relationship or any relationship they have. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good day. Bronco.